You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Good morning. morning. It's my birthday. It ain't real ministry unless you got to speak on your birthday. No, it's it's my joy. This is what I love. It's such an honor. I feel really close to you guys. It's such an honor. You can't handle all that. It's such an honor to be positioned by God in this family and week after week being able to share my heart and with such beautiful people who love me so well. What an honor it is. So it's very fitting that I get to do this on my birthday because um, what I do here is a dream of my heart come true. So I love all you guys. Thank you for the birthday wishes. So a couple weeks ago, I I taught on rest. Now, I don't have the handheld. I usually use the handheld, so watch out. I got both hands free. We're going to really do some motions today. I'm going to do the freestyle swim. We'll see where we go. I might have to run around the room because I got my jog hands. Um. So a couple of weeks ago, I taught on rest on a Wednesday night, and um, it was a really amazing night. Uh, a lot of people encountered the Lord. It's, it's an awesome experience to be able to teach, and then also Holy Spirit teaching me as I teach, and uh, that was such a, a beautiful experience to do that. And I felt like that was one of those moments where I was, I was, I positioned my heart to receive as I was pouring out. And so God never hesitates to lavish. And so as I was pouring out, God was just filling me, filling me with fresh revelation. And so I do want to talk about rest again today. Um, but for those who are you were there on Wednesday, I'm not going to just do word for word on what I spoke that day because I felt a new spark in this revelation of rest and something else that God wants to really pinpoint um, today. And and rest is such a beautiful, practical principle, an essential tool to getting there. And what I want to get to after we cover rest, how many people have heard that term, rest, in a spiritual sense, the revelation of rest? Okay. So we're going to just go over that briefly, and then we're going to really get into it. Because what I feel the spark on this morning is when we give God our yes, how to not just make it final, but make it sustainable. And, um, and we're going to get into that, and it's going to be great. So I have some visual aids this morning because they're fun. And um, I'm going to be a little bit more fancy than my uh, whiteboard that I used on uh, the last Wednesday night I spoke. So we're going to use Pro Presenter. Everyone, shout out to Rachel for being amazing. I'm like, so can you just run Pro Presenter for me today? Is that cool? So she's doing that last minute. She's amazing. So we're going to get into 
rest. Now, when you think of rest just in everyday life, what's some words that you think of? Let's have a conversation. What's some words that you think of when you think of rest? Sleep. Let's get that first slide up here. You think of sleep. You think of blissful nothingness. Go ahead. Hit me with the next one. This is more like me and how I sleep. You just think of not having nothing to do on a Sunday evening, just sleeping away that extra long nap. You know what I'm talking about? After church, after Cracker Barrel, you go home. You're just like, take me bed. And then I think one of the main things that people think about when they think of rest is the next one. Do absolutely nothing. (laughs) I'm just going to take a day and I'm going to do nothing. And I will stare at the wall and clear my thoughts and empty myself. (sighs) But what I really want to get into, rest, when we think about rest, and actually... Uh, I've given prophetic words to people about rest. Once I got a hold of this revelation, it changed everything for me. Because what this does is it, it allows us to take control of our inner world. And although the external world around us may have chaos and be overwhelming, my internal world is actually eternally focused. And I can um, not be moved by my external, but only be moved by the eternal. And so rest is a heart posture. It's my heart posture. Rest is not doing nothing. It's actually, it's actually being able to do everything that we were called to, everything that the cross paid for, and we don't get burned out because on the inside of me, I'm radiating with the love and the peace and the joy and the hope of Jesus because my heart is on default in in rest. My heart posture is on default in rest. So rest is a heart posture. And really what that looks like is to lean back and to let go. We lean back and we let go. Go ahead and hit me with that next time. Rest equals trust. Here's the thing why we can't just say this. It's trust. Rest gives it a beautiful imagery. Because a lot of times we say trust with our mouth while we're working on plan B with our hands. We're working on the backup plan with our hands, you know? We say, I trust you. A lot of times, the, the thing about trust is we can, we can get confused in, in, in this idea of trusting God actually is created of this imaginary land that we've built. And it's actually my prayer list. And I'm going to trust God to check off all of these prayer lists. And my trust in the Lord is actually based off of what he can do for me. So my trust was not actually in the Lord. My trust was actually in what he could do for me. And so when my yes to the Lord in my peace and my inner world is tied to and, and sustained only by if he can do what I think my life needs to look like, what I believe I need, if my yes is tied to, and then all of a sudden my trust is removed, 
when those things don't come through, that's actually proof that I actually haven't trusted in the Lord. Because when we trust in the Lord, it's actually trusting in the nature of God. And that's why it's so important through intimacy, learning his character, because we find out that he's good, that he's for us, that he loves us, and that he's a faithful God. And then in those seasons where my prayer list, my unanswered prayers are there, I actually don't trust in the external. I trust in the character of the Lord, which is good and is for me, and he is faithful. And sometimes I pray the prayers of the rescuer to come and lead me around the valley, but I find myself in the valley, and then I call out because I know his nature, and I call on God the faithful to hold my hand in it. But when my trust is in having to not go through the valley, then all of a sudden I'm in the valley in the dark by myself. I push God away. I push his love away. I push the truth of the word away. And I say, you have forsaken me. You have broke my trust. I'll never trust again. And I'm going to stay in this valley as long as I can because you're not going to get me out of it. Because my trust was in what he could do for me, not in who he is. I think a lot of times people, I say this with deep love and deep care, because there was a time in my life where I needed somebody. I'm pregnant, y'all, so I'm going to cry through. (laughs) There was a time in my life where I needed somebody to say, baby, this is the hard truth. Get up and get out of it. You're either going to do it or you won't. You're either going to stay there or you're going to get up and get out. I needed someone to tell me that I had responsibility over my inner world, that my emotions do not have to crush me. That even in the valley and it's uncomfortable and it doesn't feel good, that's where we were designed to shine. And let hit me with that next slide. Really, when we get a hold of that trust, when we get a hold of, when we, when we can learn, when we can learn, <laughs> people online can't see it, so they're probably like, what's happening? When we can learn to stop, meditate on the character of God, then we can actually trust him because we know who he is. And then we can rest in our inner world. Then we can lean back and let go and truly rest. Nothing will move me. Nothing externally is going to move me. (laughs) You're going to lean all the way back. When you trust God, you don't just lean. You lean all the way back. Go ahead and hit the next one. It just really means to lean back and let go, and then that is where we can surrender. That's where surrender is. A lot of us are like, look, here's the misconception. They look at people like me and like Tony and then other people who, who are more seen and on different stages, and they hear people say, I say all the time, God is good. He is faithful, and I've seen him time and time again come through. And I think there's this misconception that people create to think, okay, well, <clears throat> Sarah can say that because she's tapped into some kind of secret 
thing with Jesus, and she has the, she has the steps. She's found the steps, and then now when she prays her prayers, God answers, and everything's going good in her life because God, she prays, she's found something out to where she prays, and he answers, and he, he works everything out the way that she wants it to work. The misconception is, no. <laughs> That's the truth. The truth is, no. The truth is, I have chosen to believe that he's good even when my external circumstances shout the opposite about him. That will not move me. When the weapons are formed against me, I will not be moved on the inside of me. They will not prosper in my eternal world. Because I am fixed on the eyes of Jesus. And he is radiating inside of me. And everything outside of his character and his nature is just a nagging voice that's trying to find a foothold to stop me from being who he's called me to be. To stop me and trip me up. Because once I get a hold of this, all of hell is shaking in their boots. Because I will not be stopped by anything around me. And that is why the identity is so important. When we get a hold of who God is and who we can be because of him, it doesn't matter what darkness we're in, we're going to shine. That's how you surrender. That's how you get there. Because a lot of times we do this and we say we surrender, but our inner world is at war with that. And our inner world is crushing us. And it's saying, you'll never do this. You'll never be that. Things will never change. It'll always feel like this. You'll never get over this. What I've realized is that I get to see what I'm made of. I get to see what I'm made of. And it turns out I'm made of more than flesh and blood. I'm actually made up of the son of the living God. <laughs> I'm actually made up of the kingdom of God. I'm seated in heavenly places with him. And so when Satan comes and knocks at my door, all I have to say is, nobody's home for you. <laughs> Not today, not tomorrow. <laughs> and listen, that all, sounds, that all sounds really, really glamorous. It sounds really glamorous to get up here and say, even, when, even in the valley, I'm going to praise. Till you're in the valley. <laughs> and then you're like, but I was kind of hoping that God rescuer was going to keep me from this part. I, I thought that me trusting in your goodness would, would, be the magical, would be the magical principle that kept all the bad stuff from not happening to me. <laughs> Listen, we live in a fallen world. We can't expect people to act and think like believers. We want the world to not be crazy, but they don't have Jesus. We want people not to betray us or hurt us, but they don't have Jesus. 
We want the enemy to let up on us. (sighs) He hates us. (laughs) I was talking to the Lord the other day, and I went back and forth with him. You know when you have real honest conversations with Jesus, and you kind of expect him to spank you a little bit, and it's like, get it together. Stop being dramatic. <laughs> Which he does to me sometimes. Sometimes he's like, well, this is your problem, not theirs. So you're going to stay mad or do something about it, you know? And I was, I was having that conversation with the Lord. I just felt so strongly in my heart. Just his deep, his deep love for his people. And I felt him say, you're not wrong. A couple years ago now, we went to a um, a conference, and it was such a beautiful experience. Had a crazy encounter with the Lord that that was amazing. Um, but I was there, and I got to see some of my heroes in the faith speak for the first time. Heidi Baker is just such a, one of my heroes in the faith, and, and she spoke at that conference. <laughs> And you ever um, been in a large room where you're so uncomfortable, everyone in the room is uncomfortable, and it's like no one's breathing? (laughs) Yes. Okay, so she gets up there, and Heidi Baker, she, um, that, that morning she had got a call that her, her people, her family, basically, you know, she's a, She's an evangelist. She's a missionary. She has orphanages all over uh, in Africa, and she's amazing, okay? She sees deaf people healed all the time, um, but her heart is just to go to the dumps, to the slums, and rescue babies. She started out by raising children that she found dead in the slums to life because she just was like, this has got to stop, and she's an amazing woman. She got a call that her people... um, somehow got mistook for other people and they were all attacked and beat and and she wasn't home to to be there to figure it out and she had to go and speak to all of us westerners coming in to get a fresh touch from god (laughs) and she was uh, she she had a toot about it but i believe it was a righteous toot you can have a righteous toot Be angry, but sin not. And I feel like sometimes God will stir something up inside of you with his great compassion and love and his mercy. Because if we don't get the truth, the hard truth of it, then we'll never see fruit in our lives. And as she spoke, you know, they say that when you're a speaker, sometimes you won't really remember what people say, but you remember how it made you feel. And I remember feeling real crunchy in that room because she got up there and said some hard truths. And it wasn't like sugarcoating it to where you could kind of have stories from your own life to not really make it like I'm talking about you right there. But she was just talking about you right there and you right there and you right there. And um, it was uncomfortable, but she was so my hero in that moment because the conviction of the Lord was on me so strong. And she just talked about how we would come, we come to conferences and we come to see the great people and, and we come to get a touch from the Lord. Maybe if Heidi Baker touches me, then I'll be on fire for Jesus. Then I'll get hungry for God. Then I'll go into my ministry as if God himself can't meet us in our home. 
as if we can't get hungry on the floor in the bedroom floor and go after Jesus and have him encounter us there. But we need somebody from somewhere to come and touch us. And it has to be a good touch too. Because if it's not enough, maybe we'll question what God's doing. You know what I mean? Maybe we need to go to the next one and get a couple touches from somebody else. Because those people really got it figured out. But listen to me. When you look at people's lives who are in the ministry, their lives are full of tragedy and heartache. And they gave their yes to Jesus anyways. And God came through, and he, and he, he goes with him. So, and she's talking, and she's talking about, listen, people, you're coming for another touch from God, but he's already here. Listen, people, I'm not going to get up here and try to get you excited about Jesus. Figure it out. And she talked about, she said, we're, we're selfish. We're selfish. People, she talked about people who don't even have shoes. People who don't even own shoes have worms in their feet who get down and, and, they, and they dance and they worship the Lord in gratefulness and thankfulness. She talked about people who live in the dirt and live in huts and don't even have doors on their houses. And they go into deep intercession for days for the Western church to get hungry for God. And they are fire for Jesus. And it, and it was just such a conviction in my heart. Over being so selfish and so, so obsessed with every little thing that I want to change in my life. When the God of the universe is breaking out in holy fire all over this planet. And I'm worried about this thing here. I'm too concerned because I'm not going to come up to the altar and have a moment with Jesus because they, they, they are not playing my song. Or they're playing a song that I don't like. Or they played this song too many times this month. The lights are up too high. People are going to see me. And Heidi Baker just, just, it was so, compared to all the other speakers, it was very, very brief. And she just said, well, I'm not going to, can't talk you into it. But I can show you how to do it. And she just got down on her knees in the light. No music. Didn't call anybody up. She starts singing as loud as she can off key. And she just starts worshiping the Lord. <laughs> off key. The ugliest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> just worshiping the Lord. And everyone in the room is just like, what do we do? And she just went after God and said, forget you people. I'm going after Jesus. She said she'll, they'll be in their villages, and she said one time for four or five hours, someone, all they had was a drum, and they were just hitting the stupid drum for five hours. They were just hitting the drum and saying Jesus or something, and then God fell, and she was like, if you can't sit there and listen to a drum be hit for five hours, then get out of here. <laughs> and she, she is such my hero for that, because she didn't care in it a bit about what anybody thought of her. She was going after the one who sent her, who saved her, who called her. And if you're not going to get hungry, I'm going to get hungry for you because I'm not going to sit dormant just because you guys are. I'm not going to dim down my light just because you guys aren't willing to shine. I'm not going to turn off my passion just because it makes you uncomfortable. I'm not going to stop holding up my convictions and what I think is right and turning off the TV when I think it's wrong and choosing the things that I think God wants me to do just because it makes you uncomfortable. 
just because it makes you feel like you can't live up to it. I'm sorry I didn't set the standard Jesus did. And Jesus lives on the inside of me, so the standard has already been met in him because of the cross. Ooh, got too many hands free. <laughs> Just gonna fly away. <laughs> that t- night when I spoke on Wednesday night, um, I talked about David in the Psalms, and I'm not gonna read all of this because I want to go somewhere else with this. And I got about 15 minutes. I talked about Psalms 22 and Psalms 23, and if you have time, I would love for you to go read it so you can see the, the transformation and the perspective of J- David's heart, and it's shifting. Psalms 22. He, I talked about how David went. I, I just love David. I used to be really annoyed with David um, because I was just like, man, this guy is so dramatic. Let's get it together. But it makes you feel good about your life, you know, because you're like, David, you struggled too. I can have, he had his pity party. I can do that too. And he was a man after God's own heart. I think he was just, God just loves honesty. And he went from the Psalm 22. It is the most devastating, depressing Psalm I've ever read or came across. He was in a valley season here. And he goes from, God, why have you forsaken me? That's how he starts out. You know, it's a rough, been a rough day when you start out. Why have you forsaken me? I'm not going to read all this, but he goes along talking about how the dogs eat his bones and all kinds of stuff. Like, he is in the depths. Towards the end of it, he kind of starts getting a little bit of strength in the Lord and ends with a little bit of worship. He ends with a little bit, well, because I know that you will be exalted and people will praise you. On, you know, he kind of is trying to get his heart stirred up. But what, what I talked about that night that I just want to briefly touch on is that he went from God, why has you forsaken me? And I believe that his heart posture to get down and towards the end, he starts worshiping and meditating on who God is, meditating on the things of the Torah and what it talks about who God is. And he, from that place, I believe that God met him. And I believe that God shifted his perspective because the very next psalm is the famous Psalm 23 that we, for generations, we've been comforted by. And it talks about, like, he's still going through a dry season, y'all. He's still in the desert, but he's talking about how God makes him lie down in green pastures, the power of rest. Outside, it's a desert, but on the inside, the Lord makes me lie down and rest. He leads me beside still waters. Listen, he's describing the nature and the character of a good shepherd and what he does when his sheep is lost. And he, so he went from, God, why have you forsaken me, to I lack nothing. And that's the power of rest. I just want to touch that briefly because I want to take this somewhere else than what I did that night. As I was looking over that again, Something else sparked inside of me. That rest is such a, a, is such a key because that internal world, that internal world will either crush us or sustain us. And there's a choice to be made. Will I give God my yes regardless of what's around me? 
or will I allow what's around me to determine my yes stays or goes? And that principle of rest, meditating on his character, being able to trust in that character and believe it with all my heart, then my heart can lean back into his arms and rest in his nature, and I can truly rest. My inner world is at peace. And I was reading over these psalms. David has so many psalms. You know, he talked about him being dramatic. But listen, he's living in a time before the cross. And he, was, he, was, he prayed prayers in there that he would never see come to pass until the cross. He prayed prayer. He got down on his face and prayed prayers and let songs be sang through the kingdom that he'd never see come to pass in his lifetime. He did the work for stuff that we get to effortlessly step into today because of the cross. And I remember the Holy Spirit telling me, listen, these prayers that David's praying, you already got them. What prayers are you praying today that you're never going to see answered, but somebody's going to step and be those answered prayers? David spent a lot, did a lot of tears. Talk about, okay, let me pull this up here. If you go to Psalm 51, 10 through 19, <clears throat> I'm doing the King James Version. You know, he talks about creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cross did that. Cross did that. Gave us a new heart. You find it in Ezekiel, soft, moldable heart. Cast me not away from your presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Cross did that. We're actually adopted in. He could not disown us anymore. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with your spirit. Listen, this is all the cross did. But David, something stirred inside of him. He allowed his heart to be open in a prophetic way to pray prayers that he'd never see answered into. To go into battle and fight for things that we'd never, he would never see in his lifetime. But we get to step into those prayers. Isn't that comforting that the prayers that I've been complaining about and mad about and wanting answered that my children are going to step into? And they're going to do it effortlessly. The power of your yes can change the whole world, not just yours. Think about the yes of Reinhard Bonnke. Think about the hundreds of resurrections that he's seen, the thousands of souls he's seen harvested for the Lord. I'm listening to his autobiography, and he had a, a traumatic upbringing. He was escaping when the, the Nazis were being overtaken because his dad was a German soldier, and then he was raised in the, the German camps here. He was raised in the German camps um, as, a, um, as a refugee and treated like a Nazi by the people who brought him over. And his family grew up poor, in the dirt. He said his mother would give him a hug once a year for his birthday, and it was the best time of the year. Reinhard Bonnke had a lot of excuses to say why his yes could be removable or not to Jesus. But he said, you're good anyways, and I give it to you. 
And when you look at Smith Wigglesworth's life and you look at these amazing evangelists and lovers of the Lord, people who started revivals and saw, saw miraculous things happen, when you look at their life, you see that they came from tragedy, but they chose to give God their yes anyways. I believe that my great, 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 great grandmother, Mariah Warworth, that her prayed prayers that her daughter Lizzie didn't step into, that Lizzie's, Lizzie's daughters and her sons didn't step into, that their daughters and their sons didn't step into. I don't know what my mom and her sisters are doing, but I'm going to step and be the answers to those prayers that she prayed. Mariah Woodworth Etter was a wonderful evangelist. She, she had a lot of people, a lot of amazing people in her movement, but it was a movement in Indianapolis, a revival. People would come from all around the country to be at her tent revivals. And she was the first woman of her time to stand in a pulpit. She came from the holiness movement. She stood in a pulpit, and they called her the trance evangelism, or the trance evangelist, because she would get up there to speak and just go into a trance for days. People would come to her meetings and go into trances and they would be miraculously healed. Tumors would fall off their body. Arms would be straightened out. Deformities would be fixed. And she went, she went into her, her ministry after out of six of her children, five of them had died. They were, all didn't live past their adolescence. They died of different sicknesses and she sat at their deathbeds with them and held their hand as they passed. Her husband was an alcoholic who who she said had a broken heart and would walk around their property saying their children's names and calling out for the ones who had died like they were still there. And he had a broken heart, and he, he, he made a mockery of her ministry when she started um, and would try to sell memorabilia of her and make money off of her ministry, would heckle her at her own meetings. And then he died too. And she started her ministry off with one child left. And because of that one child, Lizzie, I'm here today. And Lizzie didn't even make it to, to, to die a natural death. She died in a streetcar accident. So all six of her children died and went home to be with the Lord. But she lived long enough. She lived a month after her daughter Lizzie died. And she lived long enough to preach her daughter's funeral. And as they lowered her in the ground, she said, don't look down into the grave. Look up at the Lord because this isn't it. This isn't it. And she ended and she sang a worship song to at her daughter's funeral, her last child to die. She sang a worship song and praised and thanked the Lord and told her family to get it together. Because Jesus is coming back. She had a lot of excuses on why God shouldn't heal. On why? Can you imagine being called into the healing ministry after you held the hands of your five children and they died? And you prayed for them? And you asked the Lord to save them and spare them? She went into healing ministry with everything against her. She gave her yes to the Lord. Anyways. And you know, I get upset and I get worried when my life isn't going right. And I want to tell Jesus why. And I want it to make it about me. If our yes can be removed because of stuff, then we haven't really given him anything. I'm talking hard today, but it's coming from deep love and deep care because I feel so strongly in my spirit that there's coming a time. Listen, there are, there are David and Goliath moments. There are, there are lion's den moments. 
that can be birthed in this room. But listen, we will never be able to be partner with the God who shuts the mouth of the lion if we're not really to trust him when it's leading us into the lion's den. If we're not really to say, yes, you have my yes, even though it's leading me straight to the place that I'm most afraid of. Well, I feel those moments in the room that people, that, 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 that as we give our yes to God, those stories are yet to be told because our yes has been removable. Your yes to God can change everything. It's not small. It's not minuscule. Your yes can change everything. <clears throat> Whether that means just your life or the life of someone else, it's enough. And I feel like the Lord, I was just crying and crying in the car because I was like, God, we've made it about us. We've made it about setting the right mood. We've made it about you having to make us happy to keep our yes. You having to make me feel happiness to stay in it and be on fire. That's not his job. He's never been obligated to make us happy. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. And you know, I believe in God, the miracle worker. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in God, the rescuer. And I truly believe that I can go into some crazy circumstance and I will be unharmed because he's that good inside of me and I have the faith for it. But listen, what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? What, what if we're living out, and I believe some of you who are tuning in and some of you who are in this room, which I have experienced, when he doesn't come through the way you wanted him to, the way you thought it should have been, and you have to make a choice. Is he still good? Is the cross worth it? Am I going to stay here in the lie that says everything you've believed is a lie? Or I'm going to give him my yes. And I gave him my yes. And I'll give it to him again. I'll do it today and I'll do it tomorrow and for the rest of my life. Because the cross was worth it. The cross was worth it. If I never see another person healed when I pray for him, the cross was worth it. You know, it was worth it. And he has my yes. He has my yes. I can just, I feel when I go out places, when I go to the store, I can feel the heaviness of our culture right now. I can feel the heaviness of the racial tension in, in this state. I can feel the heaviness of the fear and the anxiety and the worry of this virus. Let me tell you, when we get a hold of who we are and what's on the inside of us, no virus, no man, no sickness, no diagnosis, no demon in hell will stop me from being who God called me to be. It will not move me. And I go out and I feel the heaviness of the world and it's easy to just stay in that heaviness and claim it as my own. But you know what we're called to? We're called to shine. We're called to shine. We're called to shine. We're called to shine. We're called to shine in the darkness. And when I walk into places and I feel the shift, I start saying, God, this is your land. 
God, this is your place. This is where you reign. Get out. Get out. Get out. Come out of me. Get out of me. Get on, people. Because my inner world is filled with hope and with peace. And we get to shine. We get to shine in this time. We get to be hope. There's a lot of people in the church, a lot of saved people who are still dealing with that, that chaos on the inside of them that I can't go to sleep because I don't know what's happening, that fear going on. And I believe that today God wants to take your yes and actually shove it right back into your chest and give his yes to you. And allow that just to light up every space of your heart that's been filled with distress, that's been filled with worry. So that we can really shine for real. Not just go out and yell and make a bunch of noise and say Jesus' name. But actually do something because we're carrying peace with us. Something has actually shifted on the inside of us. So we're actually doing something. When I step into the room, Jesus goes with me. The peace of God goes with me. When I step into the room, something's happening in the atmosphere. And just like I can go and feel the heaviness, people start to feel the weightiness of hope in the room. And people get attracted to you. I was at the store the other day, and I'm going to close with this. <laughs> this is sort of funny. I had my mask on because they had the mandate now wasn't really paying attention because I was trying to adjust my mask. You know, do you feel like when you wear your mask that you, like, have to use your eyes harder? <laughs> like you get, like, a muscle strain in your eyeball because you're like, mm-hmm. You're, like, trying to smile with your eyes and nod and stuff. Are you, like, trying to see? You can't see as good for some reason. Like, this just somehow affects your sight. So I'm just, like, in the store trying to read labels, like, <laughs> So I'm messing with my mask. It's kind of like when you drive through a neighborhood and you turn on the volume so you can see the address better. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just messing with my mask, waiting in line to check out. And I, know, I look up, um, and I see this guy shopping, this young man. And he, uh, uh, like a toothbrush and toothpaste goes across the conveyor belt and a couple other hygiene miscellaneous, I think like a shaver. And then I see him counting out his cash, and he's like, hold on a second. I can tell he's trying to figure out, do I need to put something back, you know? I'm like, man, that's a rough, that's a rough choice. Got to choose between shaving your beard and brushing your teeth. Like, let me help you out here. So he's doing that, and I just walk up and look at the cashier, and I'm like, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and get this for him, give him his money back. And, and he's like, oh, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> then I look down at the price. And I realized that as I was messing with my mask, that he actually had a lot of things going on in that little belt over there. He had a couple of, he had a lot of little bags around that thing. And he had a lot more to spend today than I did. Um, and I'm looking down at the thing, and he, he, you know, he gave me opportunity. He was like, he looked to saw me see the price, and he was like, you sure you want to get that for me? And I'm like, yeah, I'll go ahead and get it. So I buy it. 
And you know, if I probably would have heard the, the price of what he was getting, I probably would have took a second. If I would have heard how much it was going to cost me, I probably would have took a second to reevaluate if it was worth it or not. And if he was worth it or not. And if that was a price that I was willing to pay. Because all of a sudden, when it, it, it makes me underestimate whether or not, you know, he really was needed my help. He really was worth it. Because if he's going to put all that stuff over there, you know, he got himself into that debt right there. You know, I think a lot of us signed up. You know, when I, it never, it never stops surprising me how something as practical as blessing people with your money makes people feel so valuable and loved by God. And he told me after I bought his stuff, and he told everybody in the line, and he told everybody that was around the vicinity of the store, this is the most generous thing anyone's ever done for me in my entire life. And he kept saying it and kept saying, wow, 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 this loud at the Walmart. Wow, 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 walking back and forth. No one's ever been this generous before. You sure? Do you want a tip, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe. <laughs> You know, I think a lot of us signed up for this thing with Jesus, and, um, and if we would have been able to see the picture of what it was going to cost him to give our, our yes, I wonder if, if we would have been so quick to say it with our mouth. I want to be able to say that God could show me the clip of my life and see what it was going to cost me, would see the hard bits, would see the disappointing bits, would see the tragic bits, and I would like to say that he still has my yes because the cross was worth it. I think a lot of us sign up to the happy Jesus gospel that says I'm going to have a happy rainbow life. But guess what? We live in a fallen world, and that's not what it's like. It looks like you choose to shine every day. You choose to give him your yes every day, regardless of what externally it looks like, because we're seeing from heavenly places, and we see the eternal worth of what we're doing with Jesus. And nothing is more worth it than that. No heartache. No pain, no loss. No disappointment. No missed opportunities. The cross makes it worth it. And it, and it becomes my joy. It becomes my joy to shine in the darkness. It becomes my joy to give him my yes through the tears. It becomes my joy. And listen... <laughs> Then you get to see the promises of God fulfilled. <laughs> you get to see the promises of God fulfilled. And even if you don't, he's worth it. <laughs> oh, 2016, we lost our baby a couple days after Christmas. And I thought that after three or four years that we just weren't in the cards for us. But we're pregnant with our child now. And I'm getting to step into the promises of the disappointment when I chose to give him my yes anyways. But guess what? Even this, if this never happened, he would have had my yes. Because the cross is worth it. It's worth it. Whew. Here's how we're going to wrap up. I'm going to play a song not to set the mood, but because I think it's powerful and it's what I'm called to. And there's something about releasing a song with truth in it, and it goes so deep and pierces your heart. And all of a sudden, you get to make it a quick decision in a moment if this is going to be my truth. 
And so I'm going to play this song, and as I play it, you can make a choice. Some of you have already made your choice, but maybe you need to make it again. Now you know what it may cost you to give God your yes, to say, here it is, God. I don't know what you can do with it, but the cross was worth it. You can have it all. I'm tired of making it about me, making it about my selfish dreams, making it about all the things that I wanted and that I wanted you to do that you didn't do for me. But God, you can have my yes and whatever it looks like. We say that with our mouth, but can we mean it with our heart? And so I'm going to go ahead and play this song. And as I play that, I would like you guys, if, you're, if you want to do that this morning, can we just get bold with Jesus? Because, you know, when he, he came to this earth and he saw the price tag on our lives and he did not hesitate, he did not care, and it cost him the highest price it ever cost anybody to get me back. It cost him the highest price. And so I could get, it, 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 it really isn't a cost for me to give him my yes back when you think about what he did for you. So as I play this song, if, if that's for you today, if you just feel that stirring in your heart and you're like, I need to do something. I remember even as I was a pastor here, the Lord started moving on my heart. Look, just because you're a pastor doesn't mean sometimes I want you to get down on your face at this altar and find me. So I started just laying down over the floor over there, not worrying about if people were thinking that I was stumbling or backslidden or something. Because sometimes we just need to get down and let God do something with us. So I'm going to play this. I don't know what's going to happen with this guy. Just turn it off. And if that's you, you can come forward. You can kneel. You can do whatever you want. This is about you and Jesus. It's not about the nosy person next to you.
starts unraveling your hands and allow you to pick out every piece that wasn't intended to be there from the beginning. Every piece of worry that hurts us, every piece of anxiety that haunts us. Jesus, we give you our yes today. Thank you that history is being made in this moment. And this is the day that changed everything. This is the day that each one decided nothing was going to take my yes. and speaking to hearts. I thank you, God, for calling your sons and daughters in this moment, for stirring up the passion and the purpose and blowing on the fires of their heart right now in this moment, God. And as each one opens up their heart to give you their yes, even in some while they're still in pain, while they're still with unanswered prayers, God, I thank you for honoring that in this moment and moving in so sweetly calling them for rearranging the perspective of each heart God to truly see from a place seated in heaven what you're doing in the room, God. If you're still having your moment with Jesus, feel free to sit with him as long as you want. We love you so much. Thanks for tuning in today. Bless you. May the peace of God dwell in your hearts and your minds this morning. May his presence be so real to you wherever you're at. Let us bless each one of you. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.